Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, the podcast that takes you back to your childhood one interview at a time. Of course, I'm your host, Tim Nadell. Please follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You'll find us on Facebook. Just type in Saturday Morning Rewind. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Saturday Rewind. Today's interview is honestly, again, one of my favorites. I say that quite a bit, but I'm always being 100% honest. Today, I have the one and only Adrienne Barbeau. Star of television, where she co-starred in Mod from the 70s. Star of theater, where she was Rizzo in the original 1972 Broadway theatrical version of Grease. And of course, the star of many, many amazing movies such as Swamp Thing, The Fog, and one of my favorite movies of all time, Escape from New York with Kurt Russell. But of course, we are a show primarily about voiceover and animation, and so we are here to talk about her role as Catwoman in Batman the Animated Series. That was for saving my cat. Is that all it was for? Maybe not. I heard gunfire. Occupational hazard. No, let's keep the mystery. If I don't unmask you, the police will. Police? Don't be silly. You can't deny there's something between us. You're right. And I'm afraid it's the law. Never trifle with the affections of a woman. Until next time. During my time with Adrienne, I talked to her, of course, about Catwoman. We also talked about her memoir that just got re-released, so go check that out. All the links are on our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Just go to her interview tab. You'll find all the links on there. The memoir is called There Are Worse Things I Could Do, and I Cannot recommend this anymore it's amazing i listened to the audio version of it which is amazing because it's actually her telling the story you hear her voice telling her life story and i loved every minute of it so go check that out it's on amazon so go check out that link you can get the hardcover the paperback the audible version of it and i highly highly recommend it and of course also check us out online saturdaymorningrewind.com like i said follow us on facebook twitter and instagram Please check out our Patreon campaign if you want to help us out financially each month. You know, donations start at only $2 a month. That'll really, really help us out. Please remember those positive iTunes and Stitcher radio reviews if you listen on either one of those. And also remember, coming up on July 13th, it's a Thursday, the day before the D23 Expo in Anaheim, I'm doing a little mini fan get-together for fellow Saturday Morning Rewind listeners out there. Meet me and other fellow cartoon lovers at downtown disney at 6 p.m on july 13th i'm going to be posting full details on our facebook instagram and twitter pages very very soon probably this coming up week so stay tuned for that i'll give exact details where to meet and what we're going to be doing i just know i have a lot of free stuff to give you guys it's gonna be a lot of fun and i hope to see all of you there but like i was saying this is one of my favorite interviews that i've ever done i've been a huge fan of adrian's since i was a very very little so it was an honor having her on the show. And now here is my interview with Adrian Barbo. 
Our show is all about reliving your childhood one interview at a time. And I actually listened to your um, autobiography on, on tape last week. And my oh. God, you lived an extraordinarily entertaining life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you kept a well, journal. Well, kept me busy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know you kept a journal as a kid. And, you know, you had dreams of, of being that stage star and all. But did you live a regular childhood? Did you play with toys? Did you enjoy animated features and that kind of thing? I lived a regular childhood for someone whose grandparents, uh, you know, had a 20-acre grape farm in Selma, California, and were very <laughs> poor, and whose parents divorced when she was 12. So, I, you know, I spent all my summers on the grape farm. We never had a TV until I was six, I think, six or seven. And I don't really remember watching television and uh, except for if, if you if you heard the uh, the there are worse things that you heard you know i'd watch when my grandpa was watching westerns and yes. things like that yes. um i mean i'm sure i saw bambi but cartoons i don't remember you know i i don't remember watching cartoons Maybe, no, I watched Tom and Jerry when my twins were were growing up, you know, when they were little. Yeah. But um, animation was not, it was not a big part of my life for sure. And then once I, I got into high school, I was working at night always. I was always rehearsing or, you know, cheerleading or whatever I was doing. So, again, I never watched television Um up until probably I started doing mod. Uh, mm -hmm. And we didn't go to the movies. Rarely did do I remember going to the movies, you know. Um, uh, so <laughs> I don't have a real strong background in any of the fields <laughs> that I chose to pursue. That's all right. Now, am I remember correctly that you actually grew up in Fresno a little bit? Well, my mother's family, all the Armenians, we're in Fresno. The grape farm was 15 miles out. Okay. And we, we, we spent, uh, my dad was, uh, worked for uh, uh, Mobile Oil. And so he was constantly being transferred. So, you know, by the time I got to junior high, I think I had changed schools and towns six times. Mm -hmm. um, wow. I was born in Sacramento, and then we lived in San Jose and San, uh, Stockton and Fresno and San Mateo and... Uh, we finally settled in San Jose. Wow. But all I remember from childhood would be, you know, the summers on the farm. Yeah. Which was 108 degrees outside. Oh so <laughs> I just sat inside and wrote, you know, wrote plays and wrote yeah. letters to my friends and uh, and watched The Lone Ranger and Cisco Kid. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah, actually, you sound a lot like I am because I moved so much as a kid. And actually, we lived in Fresno when I was just born up until I was four. So I lived there for about four years. And I, my earliest memories are of Fresno. Really? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I still go back a lot because all my mothers, all my aunts and uncles and cousins and, you know, my, my, in fact, my, my one aunt just passed away uh, last month. She was 101. Wow. So, you know, we're all, I was always going to Fresno for the holidays mm -hmm. and, and family things. But, 
but I don't know it really well. <laughs> yeah, I hear I hear it's changed quite a bit since I've been there. I at think least. it has. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. I hear it's not as not as nice. That's what I've heard. I think at one point it had a reputation for being one of the most dangerous cities in, mm -hmm. the, in the state. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what how that is now, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's fast forward just a little bit. I understand okay. that at some point you took a voice class from Andrea Romano. Yes. Uh, I don't know what the time frame... I think it was when, after my first son was born in 1984, Okay. I was, you know, looking... I, I Obviously, I, didn't, I wasn't going to work full-time. I certainly wasn't going to do a, you know, a two-character film series where I was working 14 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go back to New York to do Broadway because Cody's dad was here, and I wasn't going to take Cody, you know, away from L.A. And um, just as I was thinking, well, I mean, I certainly I was doing things. You know, I did a, I'd do a movie of the week or a, a play that was just a three- or four-week commitment. But um, just right about that time, I was approached by an agent at William Morris who had heard me on $20,000 Pyramid, I think, and said, you know, I think you've got a great voice for commercials and, and, and cartoons and things like that, or for voiceovers. And I said, okay. And she said, I want to represent you. So um, that sort of dovetailed with my thinking, okay, what am I going to do that isn't going to take all my time but is still, you know, creative and keeping me busy. And uh, so she started sending me out for commercials and, and animation. And at that point, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I better know how to do it, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, and Andrea and Susan Blue, Sue Blue, were teaching a class, if I remember correctly. And I went and, and um, you know, sort of learned the basics of animation. I am still not someone who can, you know, the incredible talent of Sue Blue. I mean, who can yeah. walk in and give you a four-year-old boy with a cold, you know, <laughs> or, you know, some little weirdo character. But um, but I get called for the queens and the witches, and uh, I just, I think the last video game I did, or one of the last video games I did was Mad Max, and I was Pink Eye. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, so the the hardcore characters, or else the the more uh, realistic animation. Um, and that's where Catwoman came Yeah, the, the sultry, sexy voice of Catwoman that you did. Tell me about getting that role of Catwoman. You know, it was... <sighs> agency called me in and said, you know, can you come in? We've got a... They went, you know, we've got an audition for you for Catwoman. And I went into their offices in those days uh these days a lot of our auditions are done right from our home you know but in those days everybody went into the agent's office into their studio mm. and uh i think i probably read five lines wow <laughs> you know it was it couldn't have taken more than 30 seconds um and i and i went home and about a month later i got the call that they were hiring me for for Catwoman. And I hate to disappoint you or your audience, but I'd never watched, I mean, I didn't know Catwoman. I knew her as a kid because <laughs> yeah. when I was growing up on the farm in Fresno, 
one of the songs that I listened to over and over and over again was Eartha Kitt singing Uskadar oh, in Turkish. Yes. You know, <laughs> that was one of the 78s that my grandparents had. <laughs> so I knew Eartha Kitt, <laughs> but I didn't know I didn't know much about any of it. And uh, and thank God for Andrea because she was our booth per- director, and you know she sort of guided the way and and told me what to do. Did she tell you what she was looking for for the voice, or did you just go in and just do that voice? Just by yourself. No, I did. I did the voice. I mean, I just I, that's that's the way I heard the the pay, the, the lines on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it came time for us to do the show, um, as you know, I'm sure you know, Andrea is looking at the um, she's looking at the storyboards, and so we're we're doing it, and and it says you know Catwoman jumps off a cliff and lands you know on the ground below, and I'd go. <clears throat> And Andrea would say, no, 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 the cliff is higher, you know, <laughs> give me a bigger oof, or, you know, give me a, a, an oof instead of an oof, you know, that uh-huh, kind of thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, so she guided the way. So I, I, wonder, directed. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if, you know, voice acting versus, you know, acting in a movie or, or a television show, is it much harder? Is it similar or, or is it just completely different? I think, let me think for, what's the answer to that? I think it's just, I want to say I think it's just different, but I mean, I use all the same techniques. Mm -hmm. I look at the script and I make choices about who the character is, what they have just, where they have just been, what they've just what they're trying to accomplish, what how they feel about the person they're talking to. And instead of doing that, showing any of that with my body, it's just all in the voice. I think one of... I've never talked about this before, but I'm not good with faces. You know, I, mm-hmm. can, uh, you know, I, could, I could have spent you know, maybe an hour with you <laughs> somewhere. And if I ran into you three weeks later, I might, you, I might think, oh, I've never met this person before. <laughs> but voices I am very tuned into. Okay. And I think it's because I was raised where there was a bit of a juxtaposition between words that were being said and the tone of the voice in which they were being said, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Someone might say, uh, well, <laughs> I don't want to go too far with this, but they might be saying something that was, you know, very neutral, but there might be a, an attitude in their voice that was like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. So I, I know that I'm very tuned into voices. You know, my kids call, they're both back east in college and uh and as soon as i hear their voice it's like oh okay something's going on what's wrong you know blah 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 even though they're saying hi mom you know but uh and so there is that that need as a voice actor to to represent whatever those emotions are just with your voice you know you're not using your eyes you're not using your mm-hmm, hands exactly or your body so it's different but it's I don't think for me it's harder. If anything, it's 
easier because I don't have to memorize the lines. Yeah, you can just read it. You know? And um, uh, it becomes harder if you're if you're doing a scene with someone uh, and the other actor isn't isn't on the mic. I just did American Dad, and I had a great. <laughs> Uh, sex scene with Carl Reiner, but it was just me and the mic. Carl wasn't there. Wow, that would be super awkward. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it's just, you know, making a lot of noises. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, I would love to hear that. That's going to be amazing. (laughs) And then, I mean, because we're talking about animation now, I mean, you know, commercials and, and selling thing, that's a whole other thing. That, for me, I think, sometimes isn't as easy. There are some things I just, you know, I don't, I don't have the delivery that's going to make you want to go out and buy this. You yeah. know? Or, there's some, or sometimes it's the copy, and I just, I, I don't know how to do this copy and make anybody, you know. <laughs> but but you, you can learn that, too. I mean, if you take a, a, a class in, uh, you know, commercial voiceovers, you learn, you know, you're you're giving them good news, or you're doing this, or you're doing that, or don't do this, mm-hmm. you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So there are techniques involved, I guess. I wonder if also your your theater background may have helped with a little bit with the voice acting, because if you think about it, movies and television, you know, often you have something tangible you can look at, something you can hold, but often in theater, even the actors on stage have to rely on their imagination for acting. Well, certainly, there's probably a correlation between knowing how to use your voice mm-hmm. and and working on stage. Or in in my case, I mean, I started studying singing, you know, even before I became an actor. So I knew how to use my voice. Although the very first national commercial I booked was for Jack in the Box, and the day before I was supposed to record this national commercial, <laughs> and it was very early on in my voiceover career, I did a TV movie with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> and I think he played Jack the Ripper or something. We were, in, uh, we were in Lake Havasu, and he was killing me, and I had to scream for this, for this uh, this scene and I screamed for about four hours and don't you know I got up the next morning and I could not do that commercial uh-huh. because wow. I had blown out my voice yep. and that was my first realization oh wait a minute there's got to be a better technique you know so that you don't damage your voice and when when we go into audition for certain especially the video games or, or a series um, uh, an, an animated series character and they want you to, you know, you, you create a voice that you think looks like that character on paper. Uh, oftentimes, m- the booth director or the agent will say, are you sure you can sustain this for, you mm, know, yeah, yeah. for 13 episodes? Are you hurting your voice the way you're, wor- you're doing it? You know, if you're going down there, can you do that all the time? Is that the way the character sounds? And so, you know, that is something to take into consideration when you're, figuring out how you want to deliver these lines. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Now, you mentioned earlier that you enjoyed recording with somebody on the the set with the animation. Tell me about those recording sessions with people like Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, those kind of people who are 
you know, huge in their own right. And just, I just want to hear stories about anything oh. about the recording <laughs> session. Well, I don't have any, you know, really good stories except to say that it was just, it was just so much fun to go to work all the time. I mean, people say, oh, do you like doing cartoons or did you like doing, well, of course, I don't have to put on makeup, which I hate doing. I don't have to worry <laughs> about how the wardrobe looks, which, you know, you hate doing. My hair doesn't have to look good. I can just go to the gym and walk into the studio. And then you walk in and with, with Batman, of course, God knew who you who was going to be sitting next to you. There's James Earl Jones sitting mm -hmm, there, mm -hmm. and Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., who I did grow up with. I can't remember what that series was that he had. Do you remember what he was? No, I don't know. So, so famous for, um, but I mean, I knew I certainly knew him for long before Batman, um, uh, and uh, and Mark, of course, and Kevin, and and. And the girls, they were so good, uh, you know, all of them. I, it was um, it was just great fun to be there. Mm. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned how, how great it was to be able to, to walk in, no makeup, you know, you can probably wear your pajamas and everything. It's you got, could, you it, could. It, I mean, I never went that <laughs> far, but... Um, that's got to be... Um, that's got to be a huge breath of fresh air because, you know, you're a very beautiful woman, and I'm sure that may have... I don't know, some people might think it might help to be that beautiful, but honestly, I would think it may be a curse because you're stereotyped and you're stuck to one certain role, but here is animation where you can voice pretty much anything that your voice allows you to do. You can do anything, and the characters are so, you know, I mean, some of them larger than life, and, and they're just, they're fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I did... Um, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was my greatest work because nobody ever, I didn't get in t until I got there and they said, oh, we need a French accent. I thought, oh my God, oh my God. Oh, no. If I had only known, you know, I would have gone back if I'd had 15 minutes to, to go back and, and, you know, think about a French accent. And so I think, oh, I don't know if this is the greatest accent in the world. But, um, you know, you or when I went in for American Dad, she's a ninety-year-old French maid. Well, I knew that going in, so mm -hmm. <laughs> I had my mm -hmm. French accent prepared. You know, I speak French, but that's different than uh, speaking, uh, you know, speaking English with a, a, as though you're a Frenchman. <laughs> and uh, but uh, you know, it's so much fun to get to do those kinds of roles. You know, what can I tell you? <laughs> So in, I don't know. in American Dad, you're a ninety-something-year-old woman, and you have a sex yes. scene in American Dad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I never got to see it. I, in fact, I should go and look online yes, and see yes. if I could find it. But, <laughs> but it was fun to do. Wow. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. was one of the stars of Seventy Seven Sunset Strip. That's okay, where I knew that's him it. From. All right, and then nice. he went on to do. Um, well, before that, he was on Maverick. He had a recurring. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then he went on to do um, the FBI. I think that was probably the one uh, that some people know him from. But I think I knew him from 77 Sunset Strip. Mm -hmm, yeah. I'm going back a ways. <laughs> <laughs> so besides your work on Catwoman and your, your voiceover, I first fell in love with you. I think it may have been Escape from New York. 
Uh, I think that's the first time I remember seeing you. I was born in 1980, so I watched it early in my. In oh, my, you were you're a baby. Yeah, <laughs> I know to those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they came out around the same time I was born, but I saw it probably when I was maybe like seven or eight. And oh, okay. Fell in love with the movie. Fell in love with you, and that's actually when Kurt Russell became my favorite actor of all time. Was because of that role. And uh, what was Kurt Russell like? Kurt Russell is a great guy. In fact, if you've never seen John Carpenter's four-hour miniseries called Elvis. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see it? I where did. Kurt played Elvis? Yes. Uh, that's, that's one to look at. Um, I knew Kurt because John had uh, directed him in, in Elvis, and so we had been, you know, social friends uh, before John fought with the studio to get him mm-hmm. in to escape from New York because the studio wanted, uh, I think they wanted uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Charles Bronson was angling for it and all of that. And John just said, you know, uh, no, you're taking Kurt or you're, or you're not getting the project. <laughs> uh, he's great. He's just, he's, he's, I mean, in the first place, he's incredibly professional, but more than that, he's just a really good guy. That's good to hear. I'm not sure we share the same political background. (laughs) I remember even back then, you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe we won't talk about this or we won't talk about that. But um, he's a he's a he's a sweetheart. I don't think I ever really heard his political stance. Well, and it may have changed. I mean, we're talking about 1980. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but. I also rewatched The Fog last night, and my God, that's that movie's. Still holds up 100%. It's such a fantastic movie, and you were just amazing in it. Thank you, thank you. I had I I've been very fortunate. I've had some, you know, really wonderful projects I've been involved with. Uh, with the fog, of course, I had the benefit of having it that role written for me. You know, John. Mm. John wanted to do, uh, you know, he was going to do it. John and I met on um, Someone's Watching Me, which was a television film that he did. And then we became uh, romantically involved. And um, and then he came to me and said, uh, you know, I've got this idea, and I'd, I'd like to, you know, like to write this role for you. And I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> and <laughs> she's great. She's great, as is Maggie, you know. I mean, he writes great women's roles. Yeah, yeah. I think he may have been doing that before Hollywood really took on. You know, there wasn't too many strong women in theatrical movies back in those days. Well, he was a real um, fan or aficionado of Howard Hawks. And, of course, all and he always talked about the Hawksian woman, the Howard Hawksian woman, uh, you know, Catherine Hepburn, uh, uh, Lauren Bacall, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, uh, they were, Howard Hawks wrote strong women. Um, and that was, that had a big effect on his life, I think, on John's, on John's writing career. I can definitely see that, yeah. Okay, so what's coming up for you? Do you have anything that you want to talk about or promote? Well, let's see. Well, actually, the memoir that you read yes. will be released as uh, for Kindle, you know, as an ebook in April. Uh, and um, my third in my vampire novel series uh, was published. Oh gosh, it's been almost 
nine or ten months, I think. So that's available also as an e-book. The second in the Vampire series, Love Bites, has been optioned uh, for the for the big screen. Ooh, nice! And uh, I ended up co-writing the screenplay for that. I, the working title is Vain, and we look like we're very close to Ooh. having the financing and getting into production on that. And I am supposed to start on another feature. I, I just I, uh, the, this last year I've been on stage. I've been uh, all throughout the United States and Europe uh, doing uh, the national tour of Pippin. I was playing um, Pippin's grandmother Bertha, who sings her wonderful song while she's hanging upside down from a trapeze, <laughs> like wow. fifteen feet in the air, and had a great time doing it. But that sort of uh, precluded any television or film. Since I've come home, I'd, I've done a couple of cameos in a couple of features <clears throat> and a, uh, a a guest star on a new uh, Hulu series called Dimension 404, which is sort of an anthology Twilight Zone kind of series. But I am starting in a couple of weeks on another horror film, which shall remain unnamed as yet because the studio hasn't announced it, but... Um, I think it's going to be good. Nice. And I, I think it's going to be a success, and I think people are going to be happy to uh, to see it. Very So I'm cool. looking forward to it, because it's a good role. I love how in your book you say that you don't like watching horror movies, and yet here you are still making horror movies. You know, it, in a way, it's like <clears throat> it's like animation. The roles, I mean, if the, mm-hmm. if the horror movie is good, <laughs> you know, and a lot of them aren't. Not nowadays, but no. It, you know... Uh, you get an opportunity to, I mean, you're all over the map, you know, with uh, with the, your emotions and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, I really, but I don't like, I mean, I don't, I don't go to see them. I never have, and I never will, and I don't like being scared. I don't like, uh, you know, I don't like that kind of tension, and I certainly don't like, the direction they've gone in the last, no. you know. Yeah, it's all the shock value. Years, it's all, all the, of the, just, you know, how many bodies can we eviscerate in, in what's the worst way, yes. you know, and yeah. how much blood and gore can we show. Yeah. Um, give me action adventure anytime and I'm there, you know, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, but not horror. But uh, they've been good to me. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the, the genre has been good to me. Yeah, you mentioned your memoir, um, I cannot recommend that more for people listening right now. Go listen to it. I mean, such amazing stories. The story of you and Richard just had me going the whole way through. That's so emotional and so sad at the same time. Oh, thank you. Well, that's that's I'm the first person who's ever mentioned that. <laughs> um, well, thank you. I mean, it was uh, it was one of the most important relationships mm-hmm. in my life i think he, i i could he, tell i can tell that you wouldn't be who you are today if it wasn't for richard that is true mm-hmm. that is true in many many ways yes that is true um uh, it, it the book is i mean the actual book is still around i think it's out of print now because that, i published that 11 years ago but it's still available on amazon and of course, the the audio book that you listen to is 
I think that's on iTunes. I don't know where you found it. I but. found it, um, I think it may have been Audible. Audible, yes, yes, Audible does have it. Mm. Um, and in in a couple of months, it'll be, uh, you know, people can read it on their ebooks. <laughs> Perfect, yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's so great. You, you learn from, you know, you were once a mafia go-go dancer, you talk about, my, <laughs> my favorite chapter was about the rat movie that you would not mention the title of the movie. That was, you know, I think that was the first piece I ever wrote for the writing class. As you, okay. you know, having read the book, yeah. I think I, I think I talk about how I ended up writing when I never thought I would. Yep. Um, yep. It's been a long time since I wrote the book. Um, but that was the first homework assignment I brought in. And I looked at it the other day because I was proofing for the, for the digital version. And I thought, you know what? I mean... And it's, I mean, every word is true, and it's just, I sort of took it all for granted, but when I was able to stand outside and I thought, people might think this was unusual or unique <laughs> or funny, and that's why I wrote about it. The Rat Movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody go check that out. <laughs> God forbid anybody should see it, but <laughs> if they want to read the chapter in <laughs> There Are Worse Things I Could Do, I think they'll enjoy it. <laughs> I watched the trailer for it the other night, and it does not oh, look did you really? It does not oh look God. good, but I'm, it, I'm intrigued. I actually want to see it. <laughs> oh, God. Where did you see the trailer? It's on YouTube. Is it on, mm-hmm. on YouTube? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was an experience. Yeah. It was an experience. Sounds like it. <laughs> but you know what? That's what low-budget filmmaking is like mm-hmm, many, mm-hmm. oftentimes. It, much like the one that I wrote about toward the end of the book, um, The Unholy, where we were you know, in the middle of that the worst blizzard in New York City's history, and you know, cars were nobody was getting to the set because the cars were all stuck in in the snow for 24 hours, and we didn't have fake blood, and we were making it out of yoo-hoo and tomato <laughs> juice. I mean, oh god. <laughs> but you know, I have been. I don't know if it's fortunate or if it's just what I set out to do, but out of every project I've ever done, no matter how god-awful it was or how god-awful the final final material turned out to be, I have taken something away that I have benefited by, whether it was a friend or, uh, you know, uh, just a location or a life experience or something. Um, uh, it's, it, you know, uh, it's been good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the person who I think everything happens for a reason. And mm-hmm. even a bad movie, you, you come back with a friend or two or a good experience or a bad experience that you'll learn from. Yes, definitely. All right, Adrian. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Thank you so much for coming on. I had a blast. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Now, usually I ask people to end the interview in their character. Do you remember? Can you do a Catwoman voice at all? I'd need a line. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, what to, you can let's just, see. I, uh, let me look at something that's sitting on my, okay. on my desk. Okay. Here. And I have no idea if this is what Catwoman sounds like. It's been <laughs> so long. Please click the print now button. To print your cube? No, that doesn't sound like Catwoman at all. <laughs> I could do Stevie Wayne, but I'd have to go back and listen to Catwoman. Yeah, it's been so long. I will tell you though that I just, uh, I just received the galleys to a book uh, that 
young author has coming out. I don't know if I can find it. Um, it is the ultimate uh, book about Catwoman. There was so much in there that I didn't know. It's called um, The Many Lives of Catwoman, The Felonious History of a Feline Fatale by Tim Hanley. Hmm. I was just fascinated to read this book about Batman, about the, the, the comics themselves, you know, and the, the creation of them, and then, but about all of the various incarnations of Catwoman. I mean, if, you're, if your audience is really into mm-hmm. Catwoman, uh, I'd say look for this book. Yeah, book. I don't like... know when it's coming out, but, um, but I'm going to have to go back and put it on screen and, and listen to that voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the book sounds amazing. I'll definitely check that out. It was really, I mean, I was, you know, uh, I was fascinated. I, I, what I said in the quote, no, I don't think I said this in the quote, but I mean, I wish I had had it before I went in to do the role. I don't know that it would have changed anything, but it would have, it was, it's really an interesting, uh, you know, history of the character and, and the, uh, the comic book. All right, Adrian. Thank you so Like, this has been amazing. I've been such a huge fan of your work since I was a little kid, so thank you so much. Oh, thanks very much, Tim. Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.